Penn State football is in a tough spot right now. After the Nittany Lions started off with a dominant 6-0 start, with an elite defense, an offense that looked functional, and also dysfunctional at times, but overall had a great run game, and a special teams unit that just skyrocketed through the roof compared to previous Penn State special teams units, the Nittany Lions lost to Ohio State in a game that was not as close as the score indicated. 20-12 to was the final score in favor of the Buckeyes. And Penn State's offense looked pathetic in that game. They looked extremely slow and lethargic against Indiana as well. And Penn State's defense showed vulnerabilities, missed assignments, and just overall didn't play disciplined on either the offensive or defensive side of the ball against the Hoosiers. Tomorrow... They face the Maryland Terrapins on the road. They're only a single-digit favorite, which, given the history of the Maryland-Penn State series, where in the past two games, Penn State has won by 17 and 30 points respectively, and if you gloss over the COVID year where Maryland won 35-19, Penn State beat Maryland 66-3, 38-3, and 59-0 in 17, 18, and 19 respectively. But Maryland, their three losses were all in competitive games, and Penn State has Michigan over the horizon. And you're lying if you're telling me that Penn State, his staff, and his players don't have that Michigan game, and their minds turned to that, at least in the back of their head, as that is, I'd say, the last chance for this team and for James Franklin to show that at least as of this season, this team is heading in the right direction, given the struggles they have had all season long. Nonetheless, I do think the Nittany Lions will not only win, but cover that single-digit spread, win by double digits, and in retrospect, we will look on this game in a similar way that we looked on the Illinois and Iowa matchups. Not impressive performances, not super efficient, but dominant performances nonetheless. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. Before we resume this preview and prediction video, please click that subscribe button and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more Penn State football, Maryland football, and Big Ten football content. Today's episode, just because I'm trying to cover more Big Ten games, is going to be shorter than the usual, but I am still going to try and jam-pack this video with a lot of valuable information and perspectives. Like this video so we can get it into the algorithm, share it around with your Penn State or Maryland buddies, friends, football acquaintances, and fellow football fanatics alike. Comment your predictions down below, and check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and the pinned comment if you want to support the channel, and depending on your tier, receive some bonus content. Particularly, or more specifically, relating to my power ranking system. I am going to be working on this weekend and next week to try and get it back up and running. Potential power was over 50% in picking spreads and just under 75% at 74% nearly exactly in picking money lines. So it is a reliable um, game predictor and it's actually pretty decent at picking spreads and I'm looking to automate that system and improve it and make it better and also easier on myself when coming up with the rankings that are assigned for all of these different teams. So 
Check out my Patreon page if you want some of that content. And I also make picks based off of my own intuition, not just my own power rankings, um, every Saturday morning. So if you want to see those, also check out my Patreon. But to get back to the video, to get back to this game, in my mind, it I'm, I'm honestly confused as to why Penn State's only favored by 8.5 points. I really am. I understand that this is a trap game. This is a major trap game, in fact, for Penn State. I understand that. Penn State, after they play Maryland, has a massive home game against Michigan, like I mentioned earlier. And Franklin, Yursich, and Diaz are going to be going all in on that game. Because if they lose to Michigan, and especially if the loss is dominant, there's going to be a lot of doubt surrounding the program about its future. Given the fact that Aller has underperformed compared to preseason expectations, um, the way that Michigan is playing, if Michigan is to win in Beaver Stadium, they are likely going to put up some points against that defense with how efficient their offense has looked. And Penn State has the same amount of talent as Michigan does, and they've had the same amount of talent for basically the past five, four, or three years. And yet Michigan, even when you factor in their whole cheating debacle, and I only bring that up because everyone's going to bring that up, and, and that's the news. Even if you take that out, Michigan has looked like the much more physical team, the faster team, better in in many different aspects, if not most or all aspects of the game. They've been more efficient, and Penn State is going to have a target on the Wolverines when they come into Beaver Stadium. They might be already preparing for that game, but they cannot overlook Maryland, and I think part of that anticipation that maybe Penn State is glossing over Maryland, a team that they have beaten soundly in the past, that they haven't really had to... I mean, when you win 66-3 or 59-0, to you might as well didn't even have to prepare for that team, and you still would have beaten them by four, five, or six touchdowns. I mean, that right there is dominance. And last year, they shut out Maryland and just wrecked them. In 2021, the game was close, and it was on the road before the Michigan game. Similar situation, but Penn State pulled away and won by 17, and I think this Penn State team is better than the 2021 Penn State team. I don't know if I can say the same about this Maryland team. I mean, really, they're 5-3, and 2-3 and three in conference. They're on a three-game losing streak. The defense that, you know, looked impressive against Ohio State, allowed 27 to Illinois, 33 to Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern can't run the football. Illinois is very turnover-happy, undisciplined. They're they're atypical for a Brett Bielema team. This is obviously a rebuild for Illinois. And yet, Brendan Sullivan outplayed Talia Tagovailoa. Northwestern nearly ran for 100 yards, which is rare. They really much, they struggle to run the football. They got six sacks on Maryland, nine tackles for loss. Illinois, I mean, Luke Altmeyer, he had two passing touchdowns. Illinois ran for over 100 yards, and their offense has struggled. And they had three sacks and four tackles for loss on Maryland. I mean, Maryland's offensive line really has not looked as good as it did against Ohio State, and neither has the defense. I don't know if there's been some injuries that are occurring or if the team just hasn't, you know, handled themselves well over the past, you know, two, three weeks, but Maryland right now is in a tough place, and 
I don't like how they've been playing, to be frank. Talia Tagovailoa is still struggling with turnovers. He is 33rd in the country in quarterback efficiency, which is good. It's actually a better quarterback efficiency rating than Drew Aller has. But nonetheless, Drew Aller has a better running back room, has a much better defense, and a better special teams unit. And Penn State overall just has more talent and I would say better coaching than the Maryland Terrapins do. Um, I don't understand why Penn State is only favored by eight and a half points here. I really don't. I, I could see, again, Penn State overlooking this Maryland team and still winning. And maybe they only win by seven points and Maryland covers the spread. But nonetheless, Penn State still leading by double digits in most of this game. And Maryland gets a late touchdown, sort of like how Arizona and Washington were somewhat competitive. But Washington led that game for double digits for most of the game until the Arizona Wildcats scored a late touchdown to close it within a single possession. And Washington ended up winning 31 to 24. I think that is one of the worst case scenarios for Penn State is this being a competitive game that they end up winning. I have a very hard time seeing Maryland emerging from this matchup that they consider a rivalry, but you know, Penn State doesn't with a win. Penn State has a massive talent advantage. I know the game's being played in SECU Stadium at Maryland, but there will be a lot of Penn State fans there. Penn State's ranked 6th in FPI. Last week, they were ranked top 10, I think at number 10 in potential power, and I imagine even with their poor performance on defense and an offense that was still sluggish, they probably still would have been ranked top 10, if not maybe 11th or 12th in potential power. Maryland would have been hovering around that 25th spot, and Penn State would be favored by well more than two touchdowns by potential power to beat the Maryland Terrapins. Potential power typically likes bigger point margin differentials when matching up, you know, a great near elite team like Penn State against, let's just say, an above average team like Maryland. And, and we see that a lot. You know, Michigan and Ohio State, you know, dominating most of their inferior competition by 20 points or more. Um, the fact that Vegas is only putting out an eight and a half point line in favor of the Nittany Lions is intriguing. Um, it's strange. Maybe and very likely they know or suspect something that I don't, or they're trying to bait people into, you know, jumping on maybe a bandwagon of some kind that Penn State's actually wildly overrated. And with them being ranked 11th in the college football playoff, I think there is some of that feeling about Penn State that they're foe almost. And it's understandable when you watch them offensively, but I can safely say that that game against Indiana, it was a great performance by Brendan Sorsby and Donovan McCulley and that wide receiver core. And also it was the worst performance by a Manny Diaz defense so far at Penn State that I've seen. And that includes, you know, the 2022 game against Michigan that I constantly mention on this channel. Uh, that was a flukish performance by this defense, and I don't anticipate that that will be um, replicated in that same fashion for the rest of the season. I don't think it will, because Indiana's offense is just atrocious, and how they were able to score 
24 points with only one turnover, which resulted in a field goal, is beyond me. But that's beside the point. Penn State's 7-1, and one, Maryland's 5-3. and three. The difference between these two teams is bigger than their records would indicate. Both have faced Ohio State, and those two games went differently. Ohio State played a better game against Penn State than they did against Maryland, and they were healthier against Penn against Maryland rather than they were against Penn State. Penn State still um, played much more competitively despite facing a better Ohio State team and a healthier Ohio State team compared to Maryland. The Nittany Lions are given an 83.1% chance to win, according to ESPN's Football Power Index. And looking at football power and the assigned point values to each team, I calculated that Penn State would be favored or should be favored, according to football power, by about 12.5 points, factoring in home field advantage, which on average is three points in college football. Just taking it as an average, I think for, let's say, Beaver Stadium, I think Penn State probably has like a full touchdown value for home field. That's how intimidating Beaver Stadium is. And I'd say the same for LSU, Georgia, the horseshoe as well would be closer to a touchdown than a field goal or right in between those. But just as an estimate, Penn State should be favored in this game by double digits, guys. I mean, they really are that much of a better team. Now, I know they've had their struggles, but you look at Drew Aller, for example, who has a lower quarterback efficiency rating than Talia Tagovailoa. He only he only has thrown one turnover, only one pick on the year. 16 passing touchdowns, 1,655 passing yards. Talia Tagovailoa has thrown for three more touchdown passes, a total of 19, but he's much more turnover heavy. And you look at the statistics for both of these teams, Maryland's allowed 15 sacks, I think half of them, or close to half of them in the past two games where they've just, their offensive lines looked abysmal. They're running for 4.5 yards per carry with 13 rushing touchdowns. Penn State's running for 4.2 yards per carry with 18 rushing touchdowns. Offensively, these teams are, in some respects, similar with their inconsistencies. Maryland, though, is has a much higher ceiling. They have a better wide receiver core, and they do have the better passing quarterback. I think Drew Aller is just more conservative, less less of a risk taker than Talia is. And Drew Aller, I think he has such a cannon of an arm that if he is going to make an inaccurate throw, he is going to overthrow his receiver. And when you overthrow your receiver or you throw like a completely you know, inaccurate bullet pass out of nowhere, it is hard to make a play as a defender on that ball. So I think that his propensity to turn over the football is, it, it's, it's, it's deflated. It, it's deflated. Um, he makes up in a negative sense for his turnovers, Aller does, with the fact that he produces a lot of three and outs and therefore punts for his team. He just doesn't throw picks, doesn't fumble. However, I don't know if Maryland's, I don't know how Maryland's defense is going to perform either because they let Northwestern score 33 on them and Brendan Sullivan passed for two touchdowns, averaged 11.5 yards per pass attempt and had an 82.5 quarterback efficiency rating. So even though Aller struggles on the road, I could totally see him pop off, throw for, you know, three or four touchdowns, 
have a game similar to what he had against West Virginia, and Lambert Smith has, you know, 100 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Keandre Lambert Smith is the leading receiver, speaking of which, for Penn State with 550 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns. Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, though, have eight out of Penn State's 19 receiving touchdowns, and they also have 227 yards receiving for Theo Johnson and 165 for Tyler Warren. They are extremely reliable tight ends. The problem is Penn State's only averaging 10.7 yards per reception. Tyler Warren's only averaging 8.7 yards per reception. Johnson's averaging only 11.4. Lambert Smith, who previously under Sean Clifford averaged 14, 15, 16 yards per reception, is only averaging 12.8 this year. And that's because Penn State rarely is calling deep pass plays. They're really trying to, you know, methodically drive down the field with short to intermediate passes, typically to whether it's Lambert Smith or their two tight ends and Nicholas Singleton out of the backfield. The problem is Aller isn't accurate in the short to medium pass game. He isn't. And his accuracy isn't insane on the deep ball, like let's say Jalen Milrow, but both Milrow and Aller do struggle in that short-to-intermediate pass where against Ohio State, for example, on I think it was a third-and-one or maybe a fourth-and-one play, I think third-and-one, Lambert Smith on a slant route, if Aller you know, delivers that ball into the bread basket and it's an accurate pass, that was a touchdown. Lambert Smith had his defender beat, but Aller threw the ball behind him, incomplete pass, Penn State has to punt, Several more mistakes, too, where he's, you know, throwing the ball a mile behind or ahead or above his receiver. He's not an accurate passer. Aller isn't. But you have to wonder if you'd rather have Aller, who, you know, forces you to punt, and Penn State has a solid punter in Riley Thompson, you wonder if you'd rather have that than Talia Tagovailoa, who can throw an interception at any point on the field and give your opposing offense a short field to work with. And Penn State and Alex Falcons has a reliable kicker who's 33 of 33 on his extra point attempts, 10 of 13 on field goal attempts, and he has hit a long of 50. So Falcons does have some range to him. Penn State, I think, can win this game without scoring a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. They might be fine with their defense, who I anticipate will play in a better matchup, kicking a lot of field goals in this game. The Nittany Lions have 32 sacks, 23 passes defended, 8 interceptions, 1 returned for 6, and they have 8 forced fumbles. This is a defense that, on average, is gaining around 2 turnovers, or forcing around 2 turnovers per game from their defense, and they rarely cough up the football, rarely throw an interception. So, looking at just that, and how Talia Tagovailoa has thrown 6 interceptions, Maryland has 9 interceptions, only four forced fumbles, we can safely assume based off of statistical projections that Penn State's probably going to win the turnover battle. And that's very helpful, especially when Penn State already has the talent advantage. They have the much superior defense. They're number two in defensive efficiency, according to ESPN's FPI. I would say there's actually an argument for that this is hysterical seeing how Penn State's played. I think there is an argument for Penn State to have the more efficient offense 
as crazy as that sounds. Maryland does have a good wide receiver core. Their leading wide receiver right now is Jayshon Jones with 496 receiving yards. Caden Prather has 426. Ty Felton has 394. And Corey Deitches, who I think is All-American potential at tight end, has 301 receiving yards. And Jones has three receiving touchdowns. Prather has five. Felton has four. Deitches has one. Roman Hemby even has a touchdown reception and 221 receiving yards. He also leads the team in carries and rushing yards with 441 yards, four rushing touchdowns, and 88 carries. He's averaging five yards per carry. There's an argument based off of turnovers and also the fact that Maryland does have experience along the O-line and also had a lot of returning production at quarterback and receiver that Penn State's actually utilizing the talent that they have on offense more effectively than Maryland is. And I also have greater faith in Mike Yersich as an offensive coordinator than I do Josh Gaddis when it comes to play calling. Both offensive lines have had their issues, but I think Penn State does a better job in pass protection. In run blocking, I would have to give the edge to Maryland. Overall, Penn State has the better roster. They have the better position advantage. I'd say staff goes to Penn State. I would say running back goes to Penn State. Same with, I would say, I'd say tight end's pretty close. I think Deitches is the best individual tight end, but Johnson and Warren provide better depth than what Maryland has. I would say that offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, defensive back, you know, corner safety, also defensive tackle, defensive end, and special teams go to Penn State. Maryland, I would say, has the edge at quarterback. They have the edge at, maybe an edge at tight end. They have the better wide receiver room in terms of depth, though Lambert Smith might be the best individual wide receiver. There's so much that goes in favor of Penn State. That's why I came right out of the gate in this video saying that I think Penn State's going to win. And for these shorter videos, I think that will be a recurring theme as I come right out of the gate and tell you what I'm thinking for these shorter previews. For these longer previews, I like to give you the information and also my own opinion and lens of which I'm viewing the game through first, then make a prediction. But I told you at the beginning of this video, I think Penn State's going to dominate. And a 13-point win isn't typically interpreted as a dominant win, but if you lead by double digits for the whole game, I'd count that as a dominant win. It's just not one that's particularly impressive or efficient. Maybe controlling, a controlling win would be a better term to use. But I think Penn State will control this game. I think in the aspect of rushing yards and playing Big Ten football, they'll dominate this game. I think they'll rush for 150 yards or more, and they'll use play action to win this football game. I think they'll score three touchdowns, three field goals, like I mentioned earlier. I do think with Penn State's offensive woes, they will be held to field goals in this game, but that will be no problem for reliable kicker Alex Falcons. The Lions will continue to dominate Maryland. Right now, they are on a two-game win streak, and the COVID year was awkward. The last time that Maryland won in a non-COVID setting, 2014, James Franklin's first year. So James Franklin has technically lost to Maryland twice, one to Randy Edsall, which is just, look, humiliating, but... Penn State was rebuilding that season, and James Franklin, one thing that he's done that I absolutely respect is he's taken Penn State to be a great program after the sanctions and the Joe Paterno, you know, Jerry Sandusky 
ordeal, and I'll just keep it at that. He's done a very good job of, you know, building this program up to be a respectable contender. He has yet to climb that next hump, though, but he will get an opportunity against Michigan, regardless of whether he overlooks Maryland or not, and his roster as well, because players and coaches, you know, act differently. They're in different positions. I think regardless, Penn State's going to win this game. Talia Tagovailoa will have two or more total turnovers, whether he coughs up the football on a run, or he's strip-sacked, or he throws an interception. He will have two or more turnovers that will help Penn State come out with a victory. This defense will slow down Penn State's offense, but I think with the turnovers and Penn State just constantly forcing punts and running the football to secure time of possession, I think that eventually this defense will break. I think this will be similar to the Illinois game. It'll be close for a half, maybe three quarters, but Penn State will never trail in this matchup, and I think that, you know, third, fourth quarter, they will eventually pull away and, and break Maryland. So a 30-17 to 17 point win for Penn State. They will move on to 8-1. and one. Maryland will move on to... Five and four. They will fall to five and four. And after Penn State, they travel at Nebraska, they host Michigan, and they travel to Rutgers. If Maryland isn't careful, they could go five and seven after starting five and oh. I mean, that's a very realistic chance for Maryland. So Mike Loxley has to find a way to right the ship. And for Penn State, I expect them to move on to eight and one. If they beat Michigan, and they fix some of these issues that have been, you know, very apparent for the first two-thirds of their season. They can go 11-1. and one. If they lose to Michigan, they're still probably going 10-2. and two. That game against Rutgers, though, the week after the Michigan game, and you could say maybe the same thing for this game if Penn State really overlooks Maryland, and Maryland has already righted the ship in their locker room, maybe they do achieve the upset here. I think with the way that Rutgers plays football and how their offensive line's playing well, they can run in between the tackles, the guards, Gavin Wimsatt's a more capable scrambler than Talia Tagovailoa, and their defense is more solid. If Penn State really does get, you know, humiliated or embarrassed by Michigan on the 11th, which I think is possible given how both have played, Rutgers might be able to, you know, take advantage of some of that emotional reaction, if that's the outcome. But that game is far out, it's more than a week away, and you have to focus on the here and now. You cannot overlook anyone if you're Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama. You just can't do it. It's not a good idea. Thank you to my Patreon supporters for sponsoring this video. I want to particularly thank Crash2488, my Heisman patron, Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted, my All-American patrons, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, and Austin Christmas, my All-Conference patrons. Remember to check out my Patreon page via the link in the description so you can support the channel, and depending on your tier, if you're an All-American or Heisman more specifically, you can get access to bonus content. Your support is always appreciated, though it is never expected. Have a great day, guys, and I'll see you around. Bye-bye.